Now, today is my mom and dad's 25th wedding anniversary, quarter of a century. And for the past couple of weeks, I've, you know, thought about what to do when you're a kid, you know, parents' wedding anniversary, it's not really your problem. You know, you didn't choose to marry them. You don't have to get gifts or anything like that. And that's totally fine. But for the past couple of weeks, I like have just kind of broken down on numerous occasions thinking about it and thinking about the magnitude of it. And and I, I wanted to do something or get a gift. Um, but, you know, when you're when you're at the point that my parents are at, you don't need anything. You don't need any tangible gifts. You don't need money. You don't need, well, everyone needs money maybe, but, um, and I'm, and I'm not home. So this isn't, this is my way of giving a gift, so to speak. Um, my mother is a very sentimental one and what more could she ask than for her offspring to proudly and publicly, uh, display, love and affection so that's what we're going with so obviously this is going to be very parent focused um if you're listening to this maybe it won't interest you at all maybe it will i'm going to be talking as if i'm talking to an audience just because i will confuse myself too much if i like speak directly at my parents which is ultimately the intention but I don't want to do that, so because I will definitely sob and cry. Um, but yeah, so here it is, mom and dad, happy anniversary. Sorry that I can't be there with you, but birthday's coming up, so you know it's your turn next time. At this point in my life, one of my favorite parts of being home, home with my family, you know where I grew up. One of my favorite things is the novel conversations or interactions that I have with my mom and dad. Specifically, I I work, so I work at a restaurant and I come home usually late, 9.30, 10, 10.30, sometimes 11. And it's a, it's a habitual thing. And my dad... He's got his own habits and routines, and usually that pits him either on the couch or in the in the recliner right around that time when I get home. He's got a movie on, he's got the news on, reading, whatever it may be. And we kind of developed this routine of me walking in the door, being in the living room, and him, you know, turning, how was work? What'd you bring home for food? This is what we got in the kitchen. And, and that was all the, you know, preliminary conversation pieces that we kind of set in motion. And, but my favorite thing is as I was, I, I started this job at 17 and still now in the past couple months I've worked it. So those coming home interactions slowly became more more sought after and more mature and more conversational as opposed to me walking in the door being tired saying what's what's for dinner grabbing it going up to my room and shutting the door and calling it a night which is a very normal thing to do and 
I started getting to the point and, and recognizing in these moments when I really was excited to get home and to have this interaction with my dad. And it was almost as if as I transitioned, excuse me, transitioned from being in high school working to being in college, being away, coming home and working, those moments became more few and far between, so they became more valuable, valuable and special to me. And one specific, <laughs> one specific conversation that I recall and still think about and want to share with you is that is is I don't know how it happened. Um, you know, sometimes I'll come home and he's having a couple drinks. I might have a couple drinks, and maybe I'll sit down, don't even take my shoes off have a couple back and forth and then it's been an hour and a half and we've just got done discussing you know how important it is to stay in touch with the people you meet when you're 15 for the times when you're 65 and you want to have a good laugh with someone really just raw relationship life stuff and I don't remember the lead up to this conversation but I just remember a lot of you know really strong feelings of bonding and, and cutting through all the bullshit that, that makes up a lot of interactions these days, not just with parents, but with anyone. And I remember looking at my dad as we were getting ready to go upstairs. It was almost midnight at that point and saying, isn't it crazy that, <laughs> isn't it crazy that you, <laughs> Isn't it crazy that you're talking to me right now about a point in my life that you once went through and at that point in your life, you met someone and this person, you spent a lot of time with them and you got to know them and then, you know, one thing leads to another and you're marrying them. And then you think, wow, you know, we should probably we should probably do what married people do and have some kids and these years of relationship development led up to you having children and now 20 years post you're looking at your child who is capable of telling you that the way you live your life is wrong or is that you or that you could do it this way or or learning from the way you live your life you created someone from your own love and body that's now looking back at you and not judging but but analyzing you and and inspecting you and using the things that you do as reference for their own life and it was just, and I remember, obviously, I, I said it in a little more concise terms in the moment, but I remember him kind of doing like one of those, you look, you're kind of looking at the ground and you chuckle a little bit, your head nods back and you're like, huh, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I want to talk about. 
Today is the 25th wedding anniversary <laughs> of my mom and dad. And I'm going to talk about it. I think one of the misconceptions that people my age have is that their problems are their own or their successes are their own or their status is their own. And what I mean by that is everything you are, everything you've been, everything you will be, is very largely influenced by the people who brought you into this world, whether the presence of or lack of those people. You are hugely affected, whether you're aware of it or not, by the people who raised you and the way that those people raised you. And as I think about my parents' celebration of a quarter of a century of being married, I think about just how much of myself that I see in the mirror today comes directly from the interaction between two separate people. Two personalities two worldviews, two career paths, two sets of emotions and ideas and thoughts and behaviors, they combine in such a way that produces, hopefully, the best of the both of them. And when I think about myself and when I think about my parents, I can see nothing but the best of both of them. And when I think about that, it's so beautiful in the sense that you always hear, you know, people say or, or things being said that, oh, you know, make sure you teach your kids this or that you raise your kids right or you instill these values or you teach these behaviors. And for myself, at least, I always imagine like a sit-down conversation as if you're talking to a rational adult with your kids. And what I've learned or realized upon reflecting on my own life in relation to my mom and dad is that there are very few conversations or spoken lessons that have anything to do with the way I am and the way I perceive things. When we're kids in that period of childhood amnesia where everyone sees a cute little kid who likes to laugh and play and cries a lot and eats whatever they're given and, and, and brings joy into people's life, those are the times of, in all of our lives that we conveniently forget almost entirely. Very few people have any recollection of the experience of being a young child. But the parents do, and the parents remember how they felt as a result of the child, and they remember how they might have made the child feel. And 
gratefully, when I look back on my own childhood, I don't have any dramatic bad experiences that have stuck with me. And it's hard to pick out specific amazing experiences, but the fact that I have that sort of neutral childhood amnesia is indicative of the fact that my needs were met and my life was diverse and my parents gave me what I what I needed to not only survive but thrive and grow into the person I am today. And what's interesting is that kids don't have the capacity to express gratitude at that age and nobody expects them to. And as I think about it now, I, I am overwhelmed with gratitude emotionally. Throughout this whole recording, I will most definitely be fighting tears and like the laughing kind of tears, like the, like, you know, you know what I'm talking, where you kind of like laugh into it, but it's like, you're like, please go away. And I'm overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude, but it's, it's so hard to express gratitude for something that you really don't have access to anymore. So like, how am I supposed to say thank you for the feeling I get for being raised, you know, plentifully as a kid? I can't have access to those feelings anymore. So is it disingenuous for me to say thank you for making my childhood um, bearable and not traumatic? Sure. So thank you for that. But more so now, I as I grow up and as I reach the age where I could very well have a kid at this point who's halfway through that stage, and I think about having kids and I think about families and I think about these things that everyone thinks about at some point. And only since I've been able to do that have I had access to just the sheer gravity of, of time, money, heart, and soul that go into, you know, fully raising a child. And it's, it's so, it's hard to put into words because it's just like, you know, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't have a concept of what being born was. I just, all of a sudden, I was just a, a person. You know, you don't, like, you're born and you're alive, but are you, like, you're not aware of the fact that you're alive. You just are. And meanwhile, there are these two people who are, are working together to protect you and to teach you, to feed you, and do everything you need to eventually reach that point where you could maybe look back at them and say, hey, I see all the things you did. Thank you. And maybe that point never comes. And that could be heartbreaking. I can't imagine how that feels. And and I shudder at the thought of some tragedy happening where I never get the chance to bring about that point. That point when I look to my mom and dad and verbalize and, and, and emphasize just how impactful they have been in my life and in my growth and how impactful they will continue to be as I go through these new stages.
it would be very time consuming to go through and pick apart every aspect of my personality that's been influenced by the love and interaction of my parents. But one particular instance comes to mind, which was the first time I'd really considered something like this. And while I was in London, I was asked to participate in a research study. And at this point, I was with my parents, I was talking to them every week, every Sunday, and I would I remember writing down things that I did that week so that I would have like everything to talk about when Sunday came around. And it got to a point where, you know, sometimes it was a nuisance because I had things going on, but I, I really looked forward to it because, you know, I was in a sense validating my experiences and, and then giving them a taste of what I was doing, which I knew was impactful and, and it felt good to provide that. So I was in this research study and it was a one-on-one sit down with a girl doing the research and it had to do with impressions of toxic masculinity and how those can be inherited directly or indirectly through your parents. And it was really, really eye-opening and it was something I'd never thought about before. How does... And she was asking very pointed questions. And, and the overarching theme was how has your mom or and or dad impacted your view of what it is to be a man? And I remember as she was asking these questions being kind of jarred because A, I'd never thought about it before. And then B, I realized that holy cow, like my parents did a fantastic job of raising me to be not just uh, um, a good person, but a good man and and someone who can be comfortable with manhood and, and take pride in it and use it for, use it to help others and to respect others and to get along better with others. And I remember just leaving this interview with like all these thoughts in my head saying, holy, like, did they do all this on purpose? Like, am I, did I just get lucky? Did they have a conversation at one point saying, hey, we need to make sure that our boys are, you know, being good boys and not being toxic, gross, manipulative men. And it was just, it was really, really profound. And a lot of the questions had to do with, um, you know, who's the breadwinner at home? And then were you ever like reprimanded for doing girly things or things that are considered feminine? Was that ever a conversation? Or, or I remember being asked, have I ever been or considered doing a dance class? because dance is associated with femininity. And, and, and was my father saying, hey, son, don't dance or sing or do any of that stuff because that's feminine and you're, my, you're a man. And I never experienced any of that. And I, and I never had any, like when she asked these, I was like, wow, I don't, I don't think so. And I had to really think about it. And I was so grateful that I really had to think about it. I didn't have these like, oh yeah, you know, my dad like made fun of me when I would do this or, or my dad never let me do this because of that. 
I never had that, but I still have this view of my dad as as a man's man, whatever that means. And I guess that was kind of the point of the interview, but I never felt that I was being boxed in to this certain way of being as a man. And, and I can see after that interview just how easily I could have been. And, you know, growing up my whole life, my mom has been the breadwinner. I've never had this idea that the man is the head of the household or, you know, that the man makes the final call. You know, my mom's always had newer cars and, and she traveled. She got to work from home, which was I always thought was really cool. And then she would cook as well, but my, my dad would cook, she, she, especially when she was away, and he was a stickler about cleaning, and he would always get on me for keeping my stuff clean and putting things away in the kitchen. And there was a very balanced interaction between my parents, or at least that's how I saw it. And without ever realizing it, that translated to me and, and, and informed the way I view gender roles essentially and or lack of gender roles i should say and that's really really important and it's i and that's what's amazing it's like did they ever did did they ever talk about that or is it just something that they did because that's who they were and that's how who they were manifested onto their kids and at the same time while my dad wasn't the breadwinner i always thought you know, he was, he was, you know, one of those guys on TV and like he's, he's, he knows how to do literally everything related to taking care of your things, taking care of your home, taking care of your car, taking care of your, your hygiene and, and, and your clothing. And he just, he knew how to do all these things. And I always thought it was so cool. And, and, he could find things and they would always be really niche and, and you know, not that he's cheap side of the road guy. Everyone's cheap side of the road. Everyone needs a cheap side of the road couch guy, you know? But so I, I never had this view of one of my parents being dominant over the other. It was always an equal partnership. And that is so important. And I'm so grateful that that is the model relationship that I was exposed to for all my life. Recently, I heard a very simple explanation about the spectrum of love. And it's that on one end of the spectrum, you have blind devotion, and on the other end, you have narcissism. And, you know, the ideal pairing for those extremes is a narcissist with a blind devotionist. Whereas one person is benefiting from the love they're getting from another person, and the other person has no love to give themselves, so all they can do is give blindly to the narcissist. And in the middle lies the ideal path of walking side by side with someone, living lives separate but linked like floating down a river on tubes drinking beer you know and 
retrospectively, like that's how my parents are and that's how they were. And they have separate interests. They have separate ideas for how they spend their free time. They have separate things that, you know, get them excited and get them talking, separate careers. But they do those things together and for the greater purpose of building and maintaining lives together and building and maintaining the lives of their kids. And nothing could be more important in a family unit than a top-down equal partnership where the parents began and continue to be equal partners and the kids get to see that and get to model their idea of how love and relationships should be from such a healthy and and prosperous partnership. I alluded earlier to, you know, being more friends with your parents than being the child of your parents, not having them scold you or tell you what to do or instruct them what you should do, but just being able to tell them what is in your life and then seeing them react to it or, or you know, listen, just listen and, and not parent. And it's really amazing to recognize that transition in the relationship because you sort of unlock all these different avenues of exploration into the personal life and worldview of your parents. And as being who I am, you know, I, I convince myself that my ideas are good enough to record and, and post on the internet. So naturally, I think my ideas are good enough to challenge my parents on theirs. And it creates a lot of very, very interesting conversations where I'm re-exposing them to a perspective that they can no longer access and they're reminding me of a perspective that I've yet to access and it creates this sort of battle between you know you and you you know being the parent it's like when your kid is arguing with you and this is like gets back to what you know I, I said to my dad about how he came together, loved someone, spent time with them, had a kid, and now that kid is looking at him saying, you should really reconsider the way you view things because I think it's flawed. Like you're capable of creating something from your own body and, and heart that can then turn around and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. Do this instead. And that's so amazing. And you can either choose to accept that as, as a fact of life generational re-education, generational education, whatever you call it. And you can accept it and then you can gain these beautiful insights and, and relationship strengthening moments with either your kid or your parent by recognizing that both of you, as you grow and continue to grow, are, are unlocking new perspectives to be shared. And I'm so, so grateful that I have the doorway open with my parents to talk about 
things that are real to me and that that I think are important and that they can then share what they think is important and we can have a discussion about it. And it's no longer me getting all my impressions about the world from my parents or from teachers or from school and just being this like sponge that's soaking up information to now being someone who can spit it back and challenge it and critique it and and learn from it based on my own experience and just <laughs> oh just thinking about the like the moments i have when i'm i'll, I'll talk to my mom about god or, or spirituality and and you know things like that me things and then on the other hand i'll talk about uh uh politics and, and culture and shows and and the way the world is structured with my dad and those will be the late night post-work conversations where it just keeps going and going and going and it's so freaking cool and and I imagine how cool it is because I would love to have a kid to do that with like I fantasize about having children just to get to the point where they can be me now looking at you know the aged version of myself and and saying you're an idiot or or getting told that they're an idiot by me and it's just it's so cyclical it's just this pattern that repeats and repeats and repeats and you can resist it and be like, oh, I don't have my parents trying to think they think they know best, blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, my kid's a self-righteous prick and they think that they've got it figured out, but they don't. When both parties acknowledge, accept, and enjoy the fact that both of them have a unique perspective on the world that they both inhabit at that moment, and they can both learn from each other, teach each other, and enhance each other's lives because of that acceptance. And my mom and dad have so wonderfully, whether intentionally or not, built a foundation where I am comfortable with my voice, I'm confident in my thoughts and my ideas, and I'm confident in my ability to speak them to others and to give respect and to be respected in return and to engage with people in meaningful ways that allow me to grow and explore and discover and love and laugh and all the wonderful things that one can do as as a sack of meat with a conscience and every time i think about it i find more things about myself now that are directly attributable to my mom and dad and you know i i have a podcast like Three years ago, I never would have considered myself even remotely capable of doing something like this. My confidence wasn't there. You know, I didn't have any sort of like entrepreneurial mindset and anything like that. I mean, in the past year, I've spent three months in another country on my own, made some of the most amazing friends and... I've nurtured those connections and I've come back, I worked a brand new job and I hated it at first and then my mom reminded me that, you know, 
it hasn't been long enough and to give things time and to see it through. And then as a result of that, I gained experience and connections and knowledge that I never before thought that I would have access to. And meanwhile, all that, I'm getting like my basic needs met and, and food on the table and things. And I'm a grown person, you know, they have no obligation to feed or house me technically. And now I, I speak my mind and I explore poetry in different outlets of creativity and I'm comfortable with my voice and, and others. And all those things are, are a, f- a result of the fusion of two lives, two people that very unintentionally but organically made me who I am and no amount of no amount of words of of gratitude can account for that no amount of words can be said to describe how wonderful and how magnanimous that is I think that was the right word I don't know I think I danced around a lot of the really raw emotional stuff due to, you know, not wanting to be crying every 30 seconds. But why am I doing this? I, I, I forgot as I was talking that this was, you know, for my mom and dad. And what can be said? What can be said to two people who are insignificant amongst billions that wanted to have a kid that created kids that are now no longer kids and never will be again and all the tools that I have all the characteristics of my personality my view of other people, my view of myself, the things that get me up in the morning and help me fall asleep at night. All of it, all of it is because of the family that mom and dad built. And nothing can take that away, no amount of words, no amount of arguments, no amount of lack of acknowledgement it's always gonna be there and I will always be grateful for everything said and unsaid thank you for giving me the chance to experience life and the tools to make the lives of others as best as they can be and for giving me the support endless sometimes forceful support to explore new things challenge ideas solve problems build relationships And 
thank you for finding one another and for doing the things that you did every step of the way because had you not I wouldn't be this person speaking right now mom I love and appreciate you and everything you are and everything you've done more than I can ever express and dad I have no words to describe how grateful I am that I can and dad I have no words to describe how blessed I am to have you as my father and to learn what it is to be a man from the man who I respect and admire and love the most. Thank you both for finding each other and and if you happen to not be my parents and you're still listening to this, thanks for um, getting more intimate with my life. That's awesome. Hats off to you. But it is now your responsibility to do the same. And it doesn't have to be parents. It can be anyone that you have words to say to that you've neglected saying, as I'm sure everyone does to some extent. So go tell them. Tell them you love them. Tell them you always have. Tell them you always will. And you'll be better off because of it. You know, I feel great right now. Even though I didn't say it to anyone's face, I'm, you know, callously smiling at the thought of like, you know, making someone cry. Um, that's not, it's not crazy. So yeah, um, show love. That's all there is in life. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. We live and we die. And some people get lucky in between. Other people don't. So if you are lucky and you do have people that love you and people you love, go freaking tell them. Go tell them. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Today was not guaranteed. And no other day ever will be for you or for them. So just do it, man. You'll feel awesome. Thank you.